0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you know the Bible is God's holy word? Do you know it is inspired, inerrant, and infallible? If so, like, share, subscribe, and support this podcast. For we are Maranatha Ministries, And our redemption draweth nigh. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Matthew. I decided to do a part three in this series, this one being entitled Exaltation. We did Dissension, the Son of God, ascension, God the Son, now we're doing exaltation. The name which is above all names. It is of paramount importance that you understand the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's, let's process what Philippians 2 verses 9 through 11 states. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is where this comes from, this exaltation. He has been exalted. His name is above every name. This is where it's coming from. And we have to understand that, that really to get a proper understanding of, of the mechanics involved, we're going to go to Peter's sermon as outlined in Acts chapter 2. We're not going to read the whole thing. It is quite lengthy. But we're going to pick it up in verse 22. And you need to realize that you are the children of Israel. That's what you are. The children of Israel is comprised of two different things. Jews first and then Gentiles. And once a Jew or a Gentile accepts the covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ, they become Christians. They become the children of Israel. Whether they're Jew or whether they're Gentile, once they convert to the covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're Christians from that point forward. This is how this part Takes off in verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and sign which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exulted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David, That he both died and was buried. His tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus. God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, But he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, set at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Before I go forward, I want you to concentrate on the Hebraica, right here. What is he saying here in Hebrew? When you gaze into the Hebrew here, it says that Jesus was made both Abdonai and Hamashiach. He is both the Lord and the Messiah. What effect did this have? Because you'll take note that these people that were listening to Peter preach, they had witnessed all these things and none of this was up for debate. Take note. The scripture plainly says that the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to 500 people. (laughs) Most of which was the people who Peter was preaching to. So this is not up for debate. So that being stated... How did this affect the crowd? Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, "Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his words were baptized, and the day they were added, about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This really states it succinctly. They were baptized in the name of Christ Jesus. What does this say in Hebrew? What does the Hebraic say? Those of you... Who have listened or followed Judaism? you know what's being said here this is what they call god they call him hashem what is hashem in hebrew it's the farthest thing from god's name you can get they say hashem because in hebrew that's just mm-hmm. the name it is the hebrew word shem you know what shem is Shem also means just a generic word for name and a prefix, hey, the, the name, Hashem. What this is saying is, is Hashem Yeshua HaMashiach. Be baptized in the name. This is a clear reference to what every Judaist on this planet knows, whether they are a rabbi or not, they all know the name they all know Hashem this is what they largely and profoundly use when they refer to God they refuse to say his name of course they can't God has taken the vows from them they have no idea how to pronounce it now scholars today think they surmise the closest pronunciation you can get to it is what the Samaritans use all scholars on this planet will tell you that. Nobody knows how to pronounce Hebrew. They don't. With that, you need to understand this is why they use the word Hashem because they're afraid they're going to pronounce God's name wrong. And they surmise in their brain quite incorrectly that if you mispronounce His name, that is taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. So they just quite simply refuse to say His name. So, with that in mind, this idea of Hashem, Adonai, Yeshua, HaMashiach permeates the New Testament text. It permeates it in the Hebraica. Now, many of you know that here for the last several years I have not been getting into the Hebraic side of the Bible, God's Holy Word, because it's just quite simply a battle against the Hebrew roots, Judaists. They have completely soiled the water. They've completely defiled the source, completely. But today, you need to know why this keeps being said. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is of paramount importance that here you see here in Acts 2.36 that there can be no denying it, ladies and gentlemen, that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ, both Adonai and Mashiach. You need to know that he is both Lord and Christ. He is both Lord and Christ. This is exemplified in the simple fact that what we read from, from Philippians is, in fact, a quote from the Old Testament. Now, when I say that, most people get upset because they're like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. This is a quote from the Hellenica of psalms chapter 97 verse 9 yes it is that's why this study we're doing today is of paramount importance this bible lesson is of paramount importance because you have to realize what's being done here we're trying to bring out the simple fact that this is a hebraic term adonai Moshiach, Hashem, these are Hebraic terms. But here in this verse, you need to know and understand this, that this Greek word here used in Philippians, which is the title of this program, exaltation, you need to realize the machination behind it is coming purely from the Hellenic. It is not a quote, from the Hebrew, it's a quote from the Septuagint. So when you know that, and you look at this in the Greek, it is G5251. G5251. It is only used in this verse in the New Testament. But you'd have to know that it's also used in the Hellenica in Psalm 97, verse 9. Now, let me make sure you understand. If you switch this over to the Hebraica and you look at the Hebrew word here in Philippians 2 verse 9 for exalted and look at the Hebrew word used for exalted here in Psalms 97 verse 9. Those are two different Hebrew words. Now, if there's a rhyme and a reason behind that, that's why this is the perfect Bible lesson to teach you both the Hebraica and the Hellenica both. So I'm going to read this out of the New American Standard Bible, and you will readily get confused. You're going to say, well, why isn't that cross-reference in my Bible? Because that's plainly what philippians chapter 2 verse 9 is saying it's saying the same thing new american standard bible for psalm 97 verse 9 you are the lord most high over all the earth you are exalted far above all gods you would agree this is exactly what philippians chapter 2 verse 9 you'll take note that both these verses are verse 9 so it's pretty easy to remember That's what both these verses are saying. Let's go back to Philippians 2, verse 9. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. What's this in Hebrew again? Hashem. Gave him the name which is above every Shem or Shami in Hebrew. Names That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Literally directly telling you that God the Father has exalted him above the point of ascension. God the Father has brought Jesus to himself. He's been exalted after ascension to the event horizon, to the very steek of power of the Creator. This is what's being said. And you can really get this full bore when you look at this in both the Hebrew and the Greek. It just comes at you full bore what he's saying. He is saying that Yeshua is Hashem. He's saying that Jesus is the name. Jesus is the name. It is through this name alone you can be saved. No other name. Now, this idea comes up multiple ways and rhymes in the New Testament. This, this comes across in many different ways. Let's, let's talk about some of the phraseology that Jesus used. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. You will be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to switch this over to the Hebraica, if at all possible. You need to realize what's being stated here. Yes, he's saying here, Shem, the name, in my name. Here it has the suffix yod, shemi, my name, that makes it it possessive. He's saying, my name is the name. That's what he's saying. He does the same exact thing in Matthew chapter 18, verse 5. He says, this is Jesus once again speaking, and whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Here he does it again. He's not coming out and saying that I, Jesus, am Hashem. He's going 10,000 times farther than that. He's saying that if you accept a child in my name, also receives me. He is creating a fantastic mechanism here that there is no denying what he's saying. The Lord Jesus Christ is saying that he is God. He is saying, Yeshua. Hashem, he's saying that my name, the name of Jesus, it is the name. Is this the last time he does it? No, of course not. Same chapter, go down to verse 20, he does it again. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. He's saying it again. This is a shot across the bow to all Judaist. He is saying that he is Hashem. Now, if no one's ever pointed this out to you, many of you, it's starting to sink in. You're saying, oh my goodness, that's why he kept saying that, because he was saying that he is Hashem. Yes. Let's jump to the next chapter, Matthew 19, verse 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or or children, or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. This is a reference straight back to 1 John 5, verse 20. In this verse, I appreciate it if your individual translations do not have it translated right. But you need to go look at this in the Greek. By all means, put it into Google Translation. Just do it that way. Because that last phrase there, I'm going to read it to you from uh, just the Google Translate, what, what it gives. It says, in his son, Jesus Christ, who is the true God, and here you got it, eternal life. That's what Jesus was stating. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20 says that Jesus is the true God and eternal life. That's exactly what he just said in Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. He said, if you leave all this stuff and all these people for my namesake, here, what would this be in Hebrew? Mm-hmm. My name. He is saying that his name is the name. He is saying that his name is the name. Does it stop here? No, we can literally do, we can literally go on and on and on and on and on. Matthew chapter 24, verses 5 and 9, he does the same thing. Verse 5 for many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, and will mislead many. He's literally saying that there's going to be different people with different names coming and saying that they are Hashem. And they're going to say, no, it's my name through which you can be saved. Verse 9 of that same chapter, then they will deliver you to tribulation, and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Here he does it again in Hebrew. Shemi, Ladies and gentlemen, it is of paramount importance that you understand what Jesus is continually saying here. He's using the word Shem with different cases and tense, here, once again, it's a suffix yod. Other places, it's the prefix bet. Eight ways to Sunday, the Lord Jesus Christ is telling the Judaist, I am Hashem. I am the name. That's what he can, is continually saying here in these passages. And it's literally all over the New Testament. You literally can't get away from it. It's all over the New Testament. Let's go to Acts. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. Here, the Lord Jesus Christ is eloquently saying, and he uses this phraseology and switches it up so you know that his name is Hashem. His name is Mm -hmm. the name. His name is the name. If you've never heard this before... This kind of information should leave you awestruck. Consider this. The last time any of you was in church, how many times did you hear the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? How many times did you hear that phraseology? How many times did you even hear Jesus' name? Because I, for one, have literally set through hundreds of services where I never once heard Jesus' name. Not once. It is this name, above all names, which should be on the tip of your tongue at all times. It should be on the tip of your tongue at all times times at all times now when you realize that Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 is quoting the Hellenica from Psalms 97 and that verse 9 it makes you set up and it makes you wonder hey Maybe I should study that particular chapter. Maybe you should take a look at that, what that says in the actual Greek text. Now, take note that it is not easy to get your hands on a copy of the Hellenic Old Testament. It is not easy at all. There are several translations, but these are in Old English, much like the Britons. It was translated in the 1800s. Also, the Thompsons, you can get the Thompsons translation, but it too is a very old translation and very difficult to to read through. It's very choppy. It has those those KJV-isms I guess is the best way to put it. So it's not easy to get a hold of a good translation of the Septuagint. Now this ministry uses two modern translations of the Septuagint. One is the Lexham english septuagint the other one is the new english translation of the septuagint if you would like a copy of either of those coupled with a copy of the revised geneva translation new testament you need to get a hold of me and we will get you a copy of these texts this is a ministry And we are here to present to you Bible lessons. I am aware that all of you have come accustomed to what these bad shepherds and wicked clergy have twisted Bible lessons into be their own personal teachings. You're not going to get that here. This ministry has been provided to you by the Lord Jesus Christ for your edification. So if you do not have a copy of the Septuagint in English and the Revised Geneva Translation, because it has been translated off the proper New Testament manuscript, the Adito Regia, contact me and this ministry will put those scriptures in your hands so you can edify yourself. This is what everyone needs to be doing you need to literally be putting the scriptures to the test. Now, for this, I'm going to read this out of the Septuagint in American English. This resource is available online at studybible.info. If you go there, you can get a hold of this translation. So, just take note that um, while there, there is so many different things that I could say right now to try to point you in the right direction, try to, to point you in the right place, but you just need to do this for yourself. You need to realize what God is doing, that he has actually... Given to you his word in two different forms. It's a binary code. It is both in Hebrew and Greek. And you need to know that. Now, take note that the chapter numbers are different from the Septuagint and the Masoretic text, Hebrew for the Psalms. So, just take note. You're going to have to search and investigate which one you're getting. You're you're going to have to look into this. So, reading this Psalm, which in the in this translation that we're doing, the Septuagint in American English. This is actually Psalm 96. I don't, want to convince, I don't want to confuse you with what you're looking at in your Bible. In your English translation of the Hebrew text, this is Psalm 97. So, for David, when his land is established, the Lord reigns, let the earth exult, let many islands rejoice, cloud and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are establishment of his throne. Fire shall go before him and burn up his enemies round about. His lightnings appeared to the world the earth saw and trembled. The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth." No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The heavens have declared his righteousness and all the peoples have seen his glory. Let all that worship graven images be ashamed who boast of their idols. Worship him, all you his angels. Zion heard and rejoiced and the daughters of Judea exulted. Because of your judgments, O Lord, for you are Lord most high over all the earth. You are greatly exalted above all gods. You that love the Lord hate evil. The Lord preserves the souls of his saints. He shall deliver them from the hand of sinners. Light is sprung up for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous and give thanks for a remembrance of His holiness. Ladies and gentlemen, Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 is saying, this is Jesus that has been exalted above all gods. Let me read that again, verse 9. For you are Lord most high over all the earth you are greatly exalted above all gods this is the name of the lord jesus christ this is hashem adonai yeshua hamashiach in hebrew this is the name Of the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone has been exalted above ascension. Most of you know the simple fact that one of the Hebrew words for God is Elohim. This is where this phraseology is coming from, exalted above all gods. So It doesn't matter what type of heavenly family you're talking about. Jesus Christ has not only been ascended to heaven where they're at, he's been exalted to the very right hand of God's throne. It is of paramount importance that we all learn this, that we all grab a hold of it understand what it's saying look you need to realize that it is this name that's going to be targeted for persecution I already read to you the verse that Jesus himself told you this you're going to have to everything everything's going to have to be forsaken For what? He said, for my name. He said, family members. He said, farms. Blotty dotty. Everything that you have, you must forsake it for the name. You need to understand, it is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that is going to get you targeted. Let's read here from Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 24. Since we have heard that some of our number to whom we gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words unsettling your souls. It seemed good to us having become of one mind to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, if you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well, farewell. These are called several different things. We don't need to get into that. You need to know what is being stated around this. You need to know this situation is the situation that is coming during the 2300. During the 2300, the Lord Jesus Christ told you repeatedly, the entire New Testament tells you, as these verses just told you, you are going to face persecution, not plagues. The plagues and the pestilences will not touch you. But you must forsake everything for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it in Hebrew? Say it again. He's the name. He's Hashem Adonai Yeshua Hamashiach. It is this that is going to trigger persecution against you. This is what's going to do it. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, the second verse. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling with all who in every place call on the name of our lord jesus christ their lord and ours this right here is telling you what your disposition and your relationship should be in other church congregations that's what this is saying you should be of one sound spirit and mind and body with other church congregations on the other side of the planet or on the other side of the wheat field in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is this and this alone that is the name that has been exalted above all names. Write this down. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, Psalm 97, verse 9. You need to understand that Psalm 97 is describing events surrounding and pertaining to the coronation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to know that. You need to know what this is describing. Psalm 97 gives you perfect detail of exactly what First Thessalonians chapter 5 lays out. I know that I have relayed to you many, many scripture references now. If you partake in Bible lessons, that's what I'm doing. I'm delivering to you a Bible lesson you cannot do that without something to write with and something to write on because this is not my own teaching this is a bible lesson write these things down i'm telling you to write down so you can go look them up later first thessalonians chapter five it says this it says that the great day of the lord is going to happen that's what starts the tribulation that is after your persecution not not before you're persecuted for 2300 days of birth pangs. Just like Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 24. After the great day of the Lord, you are gathered to gather in a place that's prepared for you by God the Father. During that time There will be times, time, and a half time of great tribulation on the planet, which you will be segregated from. You will be an oasis in the midst of great tribulation. You're going to be right in the middle of it. This whole planet is going to be terraformed into hell on earth, but you're not going to be there. You're going to be just like the saints who are in paradise right now. Paradise is labeled as Abraham's bosom, and it's inside of hell. It's inside of Hades. Hades is the Greek word translated for what you call in the New Testament, hell. Literally, Abraham's bosom is a place inside of Hades that's protected by a guff. Literally, this is exactly what's going to happen on planet Earth. You too will be alive and you will remain through the tribulation in this oasis while the rest of planet earth has been paraformed into a hell on earth and you're going to be segregated from it and protected from it in an oasis that's been prepared for you by God. At the end of that time cometh the parousia of Christ. Just like Saul or just like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 ends with. That's why 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 begins with, with these bad clergy that give their own teachings saying that the great day of the Lord's already come. No, the great day of the Lord starts the tribulation. And then it mentions the perusia of Christ at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is exactly what Psalm 97 is laying out. It is surrounding the coronation of Christ, which is in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now, I am saying that with authority. Is that is that upsetting you? Does it upset you that I know that the Bible, God's holy word, is inspired? It is inerrant? And it is infallible. Because that's how I'm giving to you this Bible lesson. This Bible lesson isn't my own teaching. This isn't my private teaching. This is a Bible lesson. I've given this lesson maybe a thousand times to, a, to not only different faces, but different age groups. I have taught all age groups. How many people do you know that has not only taking care of the nursery, I've been in charge of the nursery, and I also taught the senior adult class in church. I have taught them all, and they would actually all... Information overload, going too far. Let's go to Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Just like I said, and let's see if this is actually the coronation of Christ Jesus. then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. That's Christ's coronation. That's Christ's coronation. Repeat after me. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is of paramount importance to you. Getting back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let's go to verse 10. I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 10. We already read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Now we're going to verse 10 of that same chapter. Now I exhort you, brethren, now look. Hearken to my voice. I'm going to read this to you as if it's Matthew personally saying it to you. So you better write this one down. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and the same judgment. What is he saying here? You better get this straight. I don't care if you're going to a Lutheran church, you're not a Lutheran. If you're going to a Catholic church, you're not a Catholic. You are the children of Israel, and you better get out of this denominationalism. Am I saying you need to quit the church right now? You're going to. Absolutely not. That time will come. By the time you get to the end of the 2300 days, not a single one of us will be a part of the institutionalized clergy. Because it is they who will hand you over. Because, now listen to me, harken to my voice. Because you will not say you're a Methodist. You will say that you are baptized and saved. Now, now hearken to my voice. You'll say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do, it's going to snap them like a twig. They will gnash their teeth at you when you say that name. They'll say, well, we're going to put you in the stocks if you don't claim to be a Lutheran. We're going to put you in the stocks if you don't claim to be an Episcopalian. We're going to put you in the stocks if you don't claim to be a Baptist. That's what this just said. Don't you know? Don't you understand? That is what denominationalism is. Let me read it to you one more time. You know, right now, many of you call yourself one of three things you either call yourself an evangelical or a charismatic or an orthodox, right? Both of you both basically say I and mean, even though there's a differentiation between a catholic and an orthodox most of you get my point. Most of you will say you're either orthodox, you're evangelical or you're charismatic, guess what? He's about ready to shoot you down and burn you because nobody is baptized in the name of orthodoxy. No, Nobody is baptized in the name of charisma. This is saying if you're a Lutheran, if you're a Baptist, if you're a Presbyterian, you are dead wrong. We are going to have to fulfill Ezekiel 37, bone by bone, you will be ripped out of your current systems, your current organizations. Even, I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ was very clear. Mother, brothers, farms, possessions, you're going to be ripped out of all of those, and you're going to be put into a valley with a bunch of other bones. You are going to come out of Catholicism and Protestantism, all those things. The Lord Jesus Christ don't have denominations in his body. I'm going to read it for you one more time, and you better write this down. Now, I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. This is going to happen by the end of the 2300 days and you better know that's what's coming. You better know and understand this is exactly what's coming Let's get to the next reference. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Such were some of you before you washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. He just said it again. So you need to read all of these verses before because it's explaining to you That you were saved out of the life. You weren't saved into different denominations. You were saved into one body, not an organization. You're in the body of the what? The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's say this again. What does the Hebraicus say here? It says... Hashem Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach. He is Hashem. His name has been exalted above all names. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20. Once again, always giving thanks for all things in the name of, Of our Lord Jesus Christ to God even the Father. Why is this saying this in Hebrew? Do you know the Hebraica? Can you get a hold of the Delitz New Testament and look at this in Hebrew? Because I can. He differentiated and said that God was a part of the Father. He is saying that God is God and the Lord Jesus Christ that's what this is saying now i understand that most of your translations don't have it this way let's look at the kjv it says giving thanks always for all things unto god and the father in the name of our lord jesus christ it is this name that has been exalted above all names 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 12. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That was KJV. Once again, stating that your God is the Lord Jesus Christ he has not only ascended he has been exalted by the father he has been exalted he has gone through exaltation that's what's happened that's where you're at second thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 6 now we command you brethren in the name of our lord jesus christ that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you've received from us. What is the traditions you've received from us? I'll tell you what Jesus Christ said with his own mouth, the Beatitudes. Don't even try it. If you are committing wanton acts of sins... You are not conducting yourself as defined as a child in Christ should, in the Beatitudes or the Ten Commandments. Neither one. You're gross violation of both of them. You need to understand. You need to realize this is of paramount. Importance. I hope all of you start the self-edification process. You need to start conducting self-Bible studies. You need to get a hold of an English translation and not a paraphrase. The NIV is not a translation. It's a paraphrase. Get a hold of an English translation and get a hold of the Strong's Concordance and tear into the Bible God's holy word because it is inspired, it is inerrant, and it is infallible. It's infallible. And you need to know, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, There will be no divisions, there will be no denominations in his body, in his temple. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Let me read it for you again. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and there be no divisions among you, that you be made complete in the same mind and same judgment you must remove those who are among you that are stains and blemishes. Those who break the Ten Commandments. Those who do not live according to the Beatitudes. You have to get them out of your bodies. I don't care if they call themselves Baptists or Presbyterians or wesleyans I don't care what they call themselves there is no denominations in the body of Christ they're just the temple of the Holy Spirit that's the only thing there is there's only one kind there quite simply is only one kind there's only one kind you need to know that you need to know it Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. And anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. In the Greek, this is coming straight from First John chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus is both God and eternal life. This is Jesus saying it right in your face. In Matthew 24, he says this twice. He says this concerning what is coming down the barrel. Listen to verse 5. For many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and will mislead li- many. The next time he he says this is down in verse 9. When you counter that, when you stand up and you tell these bad teachers that are giving their own teachings, uh, no, you are not Hashem, the Lord Jesus Christ, is verse 9. Of Matthew 24. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name, because of Hashem Yeshua. There's just one name, Jesus. There's just one name that has been exalted. There's just one who has undergone the process of exaltation. Just one. Let's say that in Hebrew again. Hashem Adonai Yeshua Hamashiach. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you made a list of all those verses I gave you because I quite simply only scratched the surface. I only scratched the surface. And you need to know, write this. Please, please, I'm begging you. Write this down and put it on a piece of paper, on a sticky note. There is going to be no denominations in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. You need to memorize it. You need to write it on your heart. Look. Many of you know the pledge to the Bible. I have repeatedly posted it over the decades. I've repeatedly said it over the decades. No one understand this. The Bible, God's holy word is a binary code. It's written in Hebrew and it's written in Greek. That's the only way to deliver unto the sons of men that much information. This is why he said, make it a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. How is it both a lamp and a light? It's Hebrew and it's Greek. It's a binary source code. That's what the Bible, God's holy word is. It's not any translation in English. It's got nothing to do with English. It's got nothing to do with French. It's got nothing to do with German. It exclusively has only to do with two languages that are alphanumeric in origin. They have no Arabic numerals in them. In Hebrew and Greek, There's no one, twos, and threes. Those are Arabic numerals. Hebrew and Greek is both alphanumeric. Their numbers are derived from letters. That's how God does it, and that's what you need to know. The Bible, God's holy word is both a light and a lamp. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed. Thank you for listening to Maranatha Ministries with Matthew Miller. I appreciate you tuning in. For more information, stop by and visit us at patreon.com backslash Matthew Miller. Or you can correspond to us via snail mail by writing to P.O. Box 024, Reader, North Dakota, 58649. Now, if you are a God-fearing, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching Christian, please repeat after me. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Its words will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against God.